Duh! First issue club. We're getting into gear, shifting into action. We're going to talk about comics again. It's what we do every week. Here's one thing that you might not know. We just talk about first issues. First issues, they're the first part of a storyline. The origin, the beginning, the point of creation. And we're going to talk about three of them today. What three are there for us to talk about today? Thanks so much for asking, <laughs> Mike D. The, the three that we're talking about today are Black Panther, number one, on Marvel. Then we're talking about Adventure Time, beginning of the end, number one on Kaboom. And then we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legend, number one on IDW. I want to meet everybody that's sitting in this room with me right now. So I'll ask you um, to tell me your name and then tell me if you could have any cartoon character as a roommate, who would you live with? This is Budget King. I guess like me and Drake would live with Krang. <laughs> who that? Uh, so you're already living with Drake right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I assumed that I would be living mm-hmm. with Drake. Okay, well, uh, this is Sarah Rindo and Stempy, and I'm also going to pick Say up... Say your name again? Sarah Rindo and Stempy. <laughs> cool. And I'm going to also pick a brain-oriented character. The Brain from Pinky and the Brain mm-hmm. would be my college roommate because I feel like maybe they could help me on tests. Maybe they could help me... He's not very altruistic. Right, but as a roommate, mm. you don't think so? Here's the thing. You could put him in your pocket, bring him to class, and he could take the test for you right there on the spot. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mike DeStacy. I love the trombone, so I would live with the parents from Peanuts. And so all day long, I could just hear... Whoa. Let's, Let's get, get this, this podcast started. And that takes us to Black Panther number one by Tanahasi Coates and Daniel Acuna. Tanahasi Coates has been a buzzworthy name lately. He's a New York Times best-selling author. I think he writes for the Atlantic. Yep. Does a lot of good stories there, and he's helmed a handful of different storylines of Black Panther. He's going to start writing Captain America that's starting the 4th of July. That's a hot topic. We'll get to that one when it comes out. This book is part of Marvel's fresh start. They're taking a new fresh look at a lot of their characters, kind of bringing them back to basics. This book... Doesn't do that in any sense, though, I think. This this looks like it's maybe reinventing the storyline a little or setting us in a timeline that we might not expect. This story opens up in outer space where we find our lead character passed out, being alarmed, woken up in a ship full of goons, imprisoning in him, enslaving him to be a worker in mines, and... Uh, He has no recollection of where he's from and who he is. And then he starts beating the shit out of people. Goes on a tirade. Ultimately, we find out that he is T'Challa, lead of the Black Panther movies. 
the titular Black Panther from the comic books. Um, but we don't really get an explanation of why or how he's in space. I don't think anyway. It was a little unclear to me. What do you guys think of the clarity of, of this story? And did that hurt it for you? So murky. I did not know what the F was going on. Mm-hmm. Especially as I'm flipping through the first page, and then I come upon this Party City advertisement <laughs> with a T'Challa Black Panther suit. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. And then it took me like a minute to realize that's an advertisement. <laughs> the advertisements were all about Black Panther, which I guess makes sense, but mm-hmm. it was jarring when you're reading it. It is. Also, had no idea what was going on. I was kind of wondering if you would like this more than any of us because Mike and I have some context about who the character is Mm -hmm. and you as like a kind of a newer comic book reader Mm -hmm. are coming in pretty fresh to this. So I thought maybe a fresh story um, might seem a little more sensical to you. Whereas we're trying to make the connection to like how does this work? In the timeline of Black Panther, is it present day? Is it a thousand years ago? Is it way in the future? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. That was my biggest question. Like, I was so excited when I saw that Tanahasi Coates had written it because I had listened to a bunch of articles or a bunch of podcasts with him where mm-hmm. he's talking about writing it. But I had no idea what the F was going on. Yep. Like, is this before he wrestled Michael B. Jordan? Is this after he wrestled Michael B. Jordan? Like, I think therein, that is, like, the thing, though. There's Black Panther, which shattered records, which is super popular. Now is coming this comic book, and there might be people like Sarah... Who want more of the movie. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what Fresh Start promises a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I, I, for one, have to say I fucking love that Ta-Nehisi Coates doesn't deliver on that. And he says, nope, I'm going to write my own story. And, in fact, this feels like Afrofuturism to me. This feels like he's putting a whole black race in space that is in that we feel see this in the prologue that have been there for 2000 years. They are enslaved to work the mines and they're going to rise up. Yep. Right. Totally. Um, and so I think he's like, I, I, I think that this is the gift that Ta-Nehisi Coates is giving to Marvel as he says, you know what? You want me to be your black writer? I'm not going to be token black writer. I'm going to do some crazy shit. I'm even going to write a first issue that's a slow burn that gets you to a couple that gets you to a place two or three issues down here on the road. I don't know. Well, I was kind of wondering about that cuz when I listen to interviews with Tanahasi Coates, he seems like he's kind of at odds about being the guy who yeah. is the voice of black culture in America mm-hmm. right now. And so I almost expected this to just be like a fun superhero thing that didn't give us commentary on on black culture. But I think it's so interesting that in the movie, um, and it's juxtaposition with this comic book, that the movie storyline, we get T'Challa, who has lived in this world set apart from black America and black culture as a whole globally. And they're incredibly wealthy. Uh, They've never experienced poverty or extreme troubles and uh, Michael B. Jordan's character of course is kind of one of those like in the mix like bad guys where you're just like well I kind of see where he's coming from on some of this Um, so it's interesting to me to see T'Challa be put in a situation where he's starting from um, scratch 
like growing up in essentially in a world where he was like he was born as a slave. He was born mm-hmm. into slavery um, or reborn into slavery, I guess, in, in this. And I think that's one of the coolest context. things about this is ta Coates was not asked to do the Black Panther movie. Um, he could have been. Yet there was plenty of time for Marvel to have asked him to do that. And I think what he did is he deflected the hype and made a comic book that, like, people are going to buy the second issue on this comic book anyway. And he used that to his advantage to put a bunch of shit that's, like, he doesn't even explain in this first issue, knowing that, like, he's going to be able to... He'll probably sell a bunch of two and threes to be able to like, which is what most comic books cannot do. Hmm. So most comic books just have a first issue and that's it. No, so most most comic books continue on, but their sales to number two almost go down by half. Hmm. Do you think if Ta-Nehisi Coates didn't write this, you'd have a different perspective on this comic? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Would you think it was as good as it is, or would you no. think oh, that's kind of sucks? I would think, what the fuck, I don't care, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I mean, it, There's uh, certain things that come with like a writer you know that you trust them. Yeah. I mean, it, if they picked another political commentary person, mm-hmm. they picked somebody from Crooked Media to write this, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would maybe think like, okay, cool, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there are other comic books going on with Marvel that have Black Panther in them. Does this comic book affect them? My original... You you read another one of these, so yeah, you, you know. Yeah, I would think this is way far outside of him, like those three guys we saw last week just like meeting in a bar. Yeah. This, Tony Stark, etc. Yeah. It'd be way too difficult to tie like the 40 comics that Marvel has ongoing at any given time. Like 40 is, is, is uh, liberal. <laughs> into like one master storyline. So I'll say that sometimes... They have stories that completely live outside the, like, big communal stories. And then there are other times when a story picks up so much steam that they incorporate it into the, like, larger universal story. This happened with the last Thor storyline where we had Thorn as... Thorn. Thorn. Where we (laughs) had Thor as a woman. Like, that storyline was so popular that it... It kind it of became the main. It kind of became essential to the main storyline. So there's no overall Marvel like timekeeper. Like here's where Black Panther goes, and here's where the universe where Tony Stark is. And I I kind of don't think so. There's definitely like an editor who makes the decisions on like, hey, the repercussions of the story are going to make it into this event or they're not. They've ran into issues too where Marvel does like a big event that changes the stakes of the larger Marvel universe. Like maybe someone's arm gets lopped off and that's going to be like a continuing thing. They run into problems all the time because comic books get delayed, right? So the repercussions built into this side story are already happening in the normal storylines right. and it ruins completely ruins the outcome of the larger storyline you were supposed to be. The main to be problem reading. is that's why that's why I love Tanahasi Coates is like yeah. honestly most authors wouldn't do this. They mm-hmm. would be like, "Hey, this character I'm writing is also in Avengers, so mm-hmm. I can't put him in fucking space right now." <laughs> yeah. Right. But I don't think Tanahasi Coates cares. Comics are better when a author wants to do something with the character and they take them in their own individual story that 
gives us an idea of like their own self-exploration. Mm-hmm. Case yada, in yada, point, yada. Vision and Hawkeye. Totally. Yeah. Can I say this about comic books as a medium, though, is that I think it's really tough for people who are used to like experiencing whatever media they intake as like a full, like linear, flushed out story mm-hmm. that's like has a linear beginning, middle, and end. That it's tough to absorb something super serialized that's so short that you can't really like completely pay anything off. All this was was an intro sequence before like the story actually starts. Well, I you mean, know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. And here's something that like we will have to address with this podcast at mm-hmm. some point. In us reviewing number ones, in some way we're also critiquing the format of a number one. Yeah. And like what should a number one do? I'd agree with that. What does it like have and things mm-hmm. like that? This number one um chose that route. Yeah. It it said I'm not going to deliver on anything but setup. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I think is the brilliance of this is that this comic book of any comic book with the fresh starts fucking earned that. It didn't need to wow you because people are going to say, hmm, T'Challa's in space. Okay. With yeah. no explanation, intentionally no explanation. All right, next up, we got Adventure Time on Kaboom, the imprint from Boom Magazine for kids. But is this for kids? Let's get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is Adventure Time number one by Ted Anderson and Marina Julia. Why is it called Beginning of the End? Because if you do not know, here's some newsflash for you. Adventure Time, this Con- the con- the cartoon itself is ending this summer. I didn't know that. Yep, and that's why they're giving us the beginning of the end, a comic book that could be the end, even though but that BMO, I think, has a one-shot coming out. In beginning <laughs> of the end, we have a number one of three, and I will tell you straight up, this is Adventure Time porn. This is... If you like Adventure Time, this is for you. If you know nothing about Adventure Time, this might be a little bit confusing for you. Finn and Jake are thrusted into a uh, world where they are separated, and they have to pay the price for... Let me get the name of this character, because I think he's kind of cool. What is his name? Chronologist Rex? Yes, Chronologist Rex. Is, is the piper. Time to pay the piper. Uh, Finn has made a promise that he would spend every day with his uh, dog, Jake, in a, in a treehouse. And he goes back on that. And Chronologist Rex decides to uh, take the toll on him in that he's going to, I think, end Finn's life. Not Isn't only there... end his life. But erase, erase him, him from existence completely. Yes. Yep, there and we go. So the stakes of that, if I'm allowed to explain. Please do. Do it. Are that Finn is kind of a hero in the Adventure Time world, as we're led to believe. And erasing him from all of existence will erase all of the good deeds he's done. So all of his heroics are on trial here. Yes. Uh, the Ice King is somewhere just... Just uh, waiting to freeze. Yeah, rubbing his hands people. together. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's it. This this book is a um, shout out to every Adventure Time character that you would have known or seen in Adventure Time, and it's going to celebrate that. I listened to a podcast um, with Ten Anderson called Reasons I'm Broke, and he talked about how in this 
one of three. The first one is going to be the past. Then we're going to get in the present. Then we're going to get in the future. So let, let, let's, let's, let me ask some fucking questions here. I, I'm a big Adventure Time fan, so that's going to be very on, very on display me here. Too. Adventure Time celebrates the youth experience of imagination mm-hmm. and glorifies it. So it's like Adventure Time is either you're in or you're out. You either like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. There's not people who passively kind of like it. Mm-hmm. So do you think any kids are like reading this comic? So that's the thing. No. No. But kids are watching the show. Kind of. Yes. I, I think that based on when Cartoon Network puts it on their mm-hmm. playlist, like of like during the day, that it's I think like, it's like an afternoon show. At yes. least like preteens yes. are watching yeah. this. Yeah. Um is the cartoon anywhere near as like heady as this comic book was? Absolutely. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah, totally, totally. And it doesn't here's the beautiful thing. I think Pendleton Ward is a modern day fucking mm-hmm. genius uh-huh. cuz he writes a comic book that it just doesn't matter and I wish all art was like this where it's like it's a fucking zany ass weird thing that mm-hmm. a 5-year-old could enjoy. And a forty-year-old could enjoy because all these like weird references that aren't even they don't need to be sexual. There's not any innuendos. Yeah, it's just as like it gets everybody. I I've kind of feel like when I was a kid um, that a lot of the cartoons I was watching weren't smart enough for me. Mm. And I don't you mean thought they were dumbed down. And I and I I don't want to sound like I was like a hyper intellectual kid or anything because I wasn't. But I think that when we grew up, cartoons were just, like, dumb cartoons that people didn't pay a lot of attention to, like, the storytelling in them. and Your parents weren't watching it like, oh, let's watch this episode. So this is my favorite that's episode of what I, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite episode of Doug. <laughs> that's, I, I think that, like, cartoons were like, this is escapism. They knew it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what Adventure Time does is it says, yes, this is escapism, but like, we're also just like, you're having fun. Like, it, you know, it's like, it's weird. It's like, it's a, it's a world with no rules, but it's also, it, it is literally Adventure Time. Like, it's like, I'm going to roll and have some fucking fun. And it, the, the characters are so ingrained in the universe that you see. You know, you see Bimo time and time again. You see, um, like, like Jake's Jake's unicorn um, lover time and time again. Speaking Japanese, like you are so into these characters. Like when Bubble, um, when Lumpy Space Princess comes on, like I just start laughing because it's so funny. I don't know. I just think the cartoon is so smartly done and so, like, it just transcends age of whoever is watching it that I would have liked whatever comic book came out of this, if that makes sense. Do you think this is why people in our generation are so open to watching animated things now? Is that because at a certain point, uh, cartoons stopped being a a dumb thing for kids to watch and started getting a little more like intellectual like at like Animaniacs had a little more going on humor wise Rocco's Modern Life yeah. was kind of like trippy and higher form it wasn't just like Tom and Jerry 
Well, as, a, as opposed to Tom and Jerry and like slapstick mm-hmm. stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking I think, about. I think like, that there is... That didn't entertain me. It was just kind of well, like you zone out to that on TV, but... I think there was a, ter- a certain type of nerd that is honestly probably drawn to this podcast specifically more than any other comic book podcast that like they felt this Nickelodeon like pull towards Rugrats, towards Rocco's Modern Life, towards Doug, towards X-Men... Um, towards Batman, towards Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, towards Muppet Babies, like all of these like things that like they had these other layers and we appreciated and wanted yeah. them more. And frankly, at the time, they were doing more for us than comic books were. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Like the cartoon world in the '90s and the early aughts was just like fucking like DIY, like rogue Western, like do whatever the fuck you want. Really interesting, hyper creative people completely unleashed to do Mm -hmm. whatever they wanted on Nickelodeon. It's like if you go back and like read the stories of like how these people got jobs and like who they hired, it's completely nutso. Yeah. And to your point about comic books, comic books were like stale Superman stories in the mid 90s. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They were just like totally, I mean, the the iconic thing for a 90s comic book is that they just had tons of muscles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who can have the most muscles? Yeah. Also the next thing we read has a lot of butt muscles. Which there's a reason why so that is. So many butt muscles. I like butt muscles. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends on IDW Heroes in a half one. shell turtle power. power. That's exactly what I wanted to hear because this comic book originally took place in the 1990s on a little bit of publisher called Image Comic Books. It was volume three of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it did not finish. It was beloved. It was in black and white. It was violent, and people loved it. IDW said, please, 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 can we have that? Image said, fine, do what you will. They colored it. They're going to finish the series. They're going to keep the gruesome nature of it. And here we find ourselves in some Ninja Turtle magic. You're blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. I did not know that this was like the end of a pre-existing storyline. So there's probably Ninja Turtle fans who are like losing their minds over this, right? Yes, 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 yes. Especially Ninja Turtle fans that covet this age of Ninja Turtles where they were like violent but also funny. Okay, because I never knew the Ninja Turtles as this, this book shook me like to my core. I was like, what is like every page turn? I was like, holy fuck. This is the brilliance of what was 1990s comic books. Oh, I was uh, chatting with somebody on Instagram today, like a back and forth exchange. They posted something of like the, the max. Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, I love nineties alt comics. Like, and it sent me down this rabbit hole of all like, the super crazy weird creators who were doing things that were like that weird like MTV yeah. hour of like super weird animated shows. Eon Flux. Yes, yeah. stuff like that. Like there was like a whole comic book landscape of like weird fucked up shows like that. And comic books had the same scene at the same time. Yeah. I am not a turtle head, but I'm a big turtle fan. Turtle head. <laughs> that sounds like you have a tiny poop coming out of your butt. <laughs> I'm a turtle head. <laughs> Uh, there's a legendary Kevin Eastman comic book where he just goes super violent and it's like super rare. It's hard to find. Uh, this is reminiscent of that. And if, if you had any childhood that liked the Ninja Turtles, you're going to like this. Sarah, 
Let me tell you something. I used to have a van that shot pizzas out of it. Mm. Um, it was plastic. It was turtle. I effing loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As an adult, kind of mad. I kind of wanted them to die. He kept talking about carving his his name into that lady's bare butt. Fuck you. I was kind of like... I didn't know how to take some of that. Yes! I was like, does this like hold like kind that definitely would have like flown in like the mid nineties. But now in this Me Too movement, uh uh-uh, But is that the Raphael, get the fuck out. Is that the beautiful essence of this comic? Is that it stays like super fucking true to they what it would have been? So cheesy. Okay, can I can I say this though? Yes. That there was like a certain level of camp that I expect from certain types of comic books. And I think this is one of those comic books. Where, like, it gets away with being, like, raw and raunchy and stuff like that because it's punk rock and fucked up and alternative. I I will say... Not that that's an excuse for, like... Yeah, like, the... um... But it, I, the I hot it villain lady <laughs> was drawn like an American gladiator. Yes, totally. Like a bondage American gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. And so those things were like, okay, come on, guys. But, but then also like his face was melting off. The way they Ooh, so yeah, that the was way crazy. they so passively handled bit? violence, I was like, for because for me, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have always been like these cartoon characters that are like it never crosses your mind that they're mortal, that they could ever die or right. be like. And do they want to have sex with a human? <laughs> yes. I was so confused. <laughs> they don't want to have sex with a turtle. They have so many teeth, and I just thought, like, wait, is he attracted to her? Because she's a human being, and he's an amphibian. You never fucked reptile? a turtle. You never fucked a turtle. What's a turtle? <laughs> is a turtle reptile or amphibian? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. Can it be both? Hey, if you're if you're on Twitter, baby, you hit us <laughs> up. You tell us is a turtle, an amphibian, or a reptile. <laughs> Either way, it can't fuck a mammal. I'm pretty sure, but it was very horny you can towards fuck her. Fuck it, it just can't reproduce. Oh, see that that's and... the crazy thing to me is that there's like long term turtle implications like that happen here. Like if half of your face melts off, it's not just gonna like magically mm-hmm. come back. Like, so it was just, it's, it was so intense to me to see, like, Donatello fucking get shot and Raphael's straight up shot face melt off. Yeah. Like, serious things are happening to the characters, like, all but, within, like, the first half and, of the comic. And that's the thing is, like, if you become a ninja and you're, you're fighting oh, shit like this is going to happen, you're fighting right? crime, crime in New York, your fucking face is going to melt off and you're going to get shot. There's so Why much blood in this. Yeah. Get thrown acid in your face, you know? And my other question is, why does everyone have the same color mask in this mother yeah. effing cover? It's so confusing, Wait, isn't it? Who's who? You you know why that so is. So I right? know why it is. Yeah. Originally they, they all had red masks. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't until they got popularized right before the cartoon that well, they gave them different colors. And part well, and part of it was that the, that the comic used to be a black and white, so there yes. was never a reason. The the thing that you were supposed to look at to identify them as different turtles was their weapons. Their weapons. Teenage Ninja Turtles Urban Legends is out on IDW. Do yourself a favor. Go check this yeah. out. It is a fun romp. Sarah, Carve my name in your bare butt. Sarah, would you say, That's what he says. would you recommend this book? To who? <laughs> to, uh, my I- mom? No. My brother? No. Someone Mike knows? Sure. Mike, by- did you mean Budget King? Both of you. <laughs> Mikey D and Mikey R. Uh, um... 
That Ooh. weird guy from work? Yeah, he'll love it. I feel pathetic right now. <laughs> okay, let's do pick of the weeks. This is a new thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your what was the pick of the week of the of the three comic books you read? Avenger time. Come on, grab your friends. It's time to loose and lands. Take the dog and then the human and the fun will never end. It's adventure time. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll see you next time you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I picked I pick the turtles. Same. What? <laughs> this is e- easy, easy for me. Yeah. It was so good. I loved it. Are you me too. fucking every, kidding me? Every page turn, I was like... Oh These my pervs? god. These reptilian pervs? Let's let's remember I hate them. let's remember they are teenagers. Yeah, you said some fucked up shit when you were a teenager. Yeah, you did. Jesus. Like what? <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses for this cuz I I agree that it was shitty and they should have maybe had some revisionist history, but it was written like a 90s comic. 90s comics were definitely for horny teenage boys. Sure. Mm-hmm. This has been the First Issue Podcast. This is a great podcast. This is a good podcast. And in fact, I will tell you this. If you listen to this podcast, this is a, one of the best podcasts that you're listening to. We put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this podcast, and it is fucking good. So fucking share it with everybody. Fucking rate it on everything. This is a good fucking podcast. We make no money on this fucking podcast and you need to listen to it every goddamn week and you need to tell your friends about it because we put a lot of effort into this and it's a good fucking podcast. Comic books suck, but we make them great. All right. And back on to the real things. We record in KCUR Studios. Our music is by Primary Color Music. Uh, we are edited by the beautiful and wonderful Matthew Hodap. He's a good person. Like him. Be nice to him if you ever see him in public. He's a sad, lonely man in Chicago walking the streets there. He lives in Chicago. Mm-hmm, currently. And then uh, we are part of the Fountain City Frequency uh, family of podcasts. There's a lot of good podcasts on there. The best one that you can listen to is uh, What's in the Game? It's a podcast about video games. You should listen to it. It's really good. There's some, there's some other shitty podcasts on there, but they're also good, and they're my friends. Um, and that is it for the end of how that's how we close this out. And I'm going to close it out. This is Budget King, and I will see myself out. This is Sarah Rendo and Stimpy. I just want to say bye. Um, I'm Mike DeStacy, and in case there are any um, music producers listening, uh, I'm not a girl. Uh, not yet. I'm not. All I need is time. Is that your Britney Spears? Uh... He was holding it Thank like you. he was about to smooch. I've been practicing my, my vocal fry. Hey, thanks to you guys for not calling me out for stealing Caitlin's goodbye. What was her goodbye? She says, I- I'll see myself out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Huh. Bye. Bye.